Welcome to What in the Wellness with Tiffany, where we have real conversations dedicated to helping women make holistic wellness easier. Through education, self-exploration, and actionable steps, mixed with a bit of laughs and real-life experience, What in the Wellness with Tiffany is meant to be your companion on your personal wellness journey. I'm your host, Tiffany Stewart, certified health coach, internationally featured wellness writer, business owner, info geek, loud laugher, and mom of two. I'm so happy that you're here with us. Let's get started. Today's sponsor is Molly Suds, a local Florida company that was founded in 2008 by pediatric nurse and mom, Monica, inspired by the loss of her daughter, Molly. Upon investigation into potential causes for this tragedy, Monica learned that of the 80,000 chemicals approved for use by the Toxic Substances Control Act of 1976, only 200 are tested for human safety. So she went back to the basics, creating safe and effective cleaning products with just a handful of earth and plant-derived ingredients. I love Molly Suds and have been using their products since I started my clean living journey in about 2015. If you like to make the change to safer products today, you can use my code WellnessWithTiffany for 15% off your purchase on mollysuds.com. Hey everyone, how are you doing? It's been a minute and we are here with a new episode. I'm so happy to be back. I have so much content that's just sitting there, but not really just sitting there. You know, life happens, but that's coming out and in the editing process. But today's episode is great because it really is like me talking to another mom friend. Today, I'll be introducing you to one of my fellow mom blogger friends, Nancy Johnson Horn. And she'll be sharing about why she started her blog and also why she chooses to share about different conditions and things that her family goes through, including type 1 diabetes, ADHD, and even different food challenges that they may have and why she feels it's so important to share her life experience about them to help other people. But before we get into the interview, I want to say thank you so much for always being so supportive. I also want to encourage you, if you do enjoy the podcast, to please take a moment and leave a rating because that does help. If you're on a podcast platform that allows you to leave a rating, that truly does help out the podcast. In addition, if you would like to support the podcast, there's a couple of ways to do so. The first one is simply by sharing this on any social media platform that you are on. Secondly, if you're listening to this in the Anchor app or on the Anchor website, you will find a sponsor or support button on the main page, and that's one way to do so. Lastly, I'm always open to a cup of matcha to help me fuel more wellness projects. In the show notes, you will find a link to a Buy Me a Matcha website where you're able to support the development and creation of other wellness content for women just like this and other projects by simply buying a matcha (laughs) or two or three. So I reached out to Nancy of the Mama Maven, that's her blog's name, a while ago. This was recorded last year in 2020 because I was always so just in love with her passion and sharing about her family journey and even her son's 
type 1 diabetes and we don't just like as a culture we hear a lot more about type 2 diabetes and we don't learn enough about type 1 diabetes and what you know how that just looks like on an everyday basis but I wanted to just have that conversation to help spread awareness of what that really looks like like what were the signs and symptoms that she her son rather experienced and she observed before um, getting that diagnosis and and also looking back at the situation, just, you know, how was it handled and what did she learn from it, how she's navigating it and why she chooses to to share on her blog. You know, it's just incredible to me because I love learning about people and what it is that they do and just, you know, like everything that, that's going on. I just love information. <laughs> so I really want to thank Nancy before we even get into the interview for sharing her experience with me. So let me tell you a little bit more about Nancy real quick. Nancy Johnson Horn has been a blogger since February of 2007, working for sites like people.com, Moms and Babies, and Baby Center. She started the Mama Maven blog in fall of 2011. She is married and has three children, ages 14, 12 and a half, and 10. Before starting the Mama Maven blog, she's worked for such prominent places such as the Food Network, and also taught in the New York City school system. Nancy takes pride in living in New York City and shares her experience with her family. Nancy is now an advocate for type 1 diabetes families and shares helpful posts about type 1 diabetes care, low-carb eating, and management. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. See you on the other side. How's it going? Hi, Tiffany. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, like I knew I, we've kind of like crossed paths on the internet lots of different times, but I knew when I saw that you were sharing so much about your family and everything that you're going through, I was like, oh man, I got to get Nancy on the podcast, especially for the new season. So I'm so happy that you're on here. Thank you for taking the time. Well, thank you. I mean, I love, I love your Instagram content and that's where we primarily engage, but I'm always looking and I'm always so impressed, like how you keep plants alive. Cause I can't, <laughs> but my son actually got cuttings of um, pepper trees from my brother-in-law's house and he's making them grow. I'm like, I'm like, you don't want me near them. <laughs> I, I really, really think that like it, I, I, I think that it depends on where you are in life, I guess, at this point, because I, four years ago, I would have killed everything in sight. And I think it was just because I just didn't have the patience for them. And it's, especially like as moms, I think that we just have a lot going on. And I know that you have a lot going on as well. And for everyone, if you don't, Nancy has a, a great blog as well. We're both bloggers in the blog world. So um, it's because some people, you know, may just hear the podcast and don't really know, or they'll, they may not go to the blog, but you know how it is. Like people may find you on Instagram, but don't, you know, haven't made their way to your blog yet and things. So I invite you to go and check out my blog and Nancy's blog, which will all be in the show notes as well. But can you, we'll get right into, can you please tell us a little about yourself and your work? Well, my name is Nancy Horn and I run my blog called The Mama Maven. And I'm very proud of it because I feel like my blood, sweat and tears is in that blog. And I try, I used to be a little more anonymous about things and things that happen, but I try to put things that I think will help other people in it. Um, so, I mean, again, I don't tell everything, but I, if I feel it's going to help somebody, 
then I, it needs to be on the blog and my corresponding social media properties. I, and I love all of them for different reasons, but like Instagram is where I can really talk sometimes, but Twitter is where I can vent about life. Um, Facebook, I don't share as much on that, but like YouTube, sometimes I can really go into a subject. So TikTok is just madness, but that's, okay. that's another yeah, conversation. That's a whole other that. conversation. <laughs> but that's, I really feel that I need to put some of myself into the Mama Maven and I feel that, but it has to help somebody. If I'm not, if I'm writing about something and it's not helping anybody, then there's no point of doing it. So that's what I feel is really, really important for explaining me. Yeah, that's that. I definitely noticed that. And um, I think that's why I felt, I always felt so warm about your blog because I felt like you really cared about it. It's not like you're just spouting, you know, information, even though I've never hated hate on anybody's blog, but I just, you, as certain people and especially maybe as like more feely people than other you you naturally resonate with certain uh things more than others and i definitely always felt that about you and your blog so i'm happy that the universe had us cross paths <laughs> so sweet <laughs> but i know I, I recommend you too and it's just like well you know tiffany said this and you know like i really feel when you're saying that something's non-toxic and how you switch to non-toxic products like that inspires me to make more changes and i like that because you will tell the truth about something and it makes me think about it and if you're making me think about it then that's a step for me to start doing it and i've actually replaced a lot of things that i've done in the household and i feel like I'm not where I want to be green yet, but it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's more important to me than it was several years ago. I mean, I and that's all by just like both of us sharing, just sharing our, our stories, you know, and that's what the great thing I think that people find or, or I, that I love about blogging, you know, about is that you're just sharing your story and you're able to help people through them. So through your story. So great. <laughs> <laughs> So what made you decide to become a blogger in the first place? That's my next question. Well, I actually fell into it. I started out being a baby product review blogger because I was in a mom group. The leader had a blog. She asked me if I wanted to review a stroller and who's going to turn down a free stroller. So right. I wrote this like careful analysis of it. And she's like, she's like, no, she's like, this isn't how you do it. She's like, just write what you feel about it. Don't, it's not a promotional piece. So I started really kind of giving criticisms and then I had, I was, I got pregnant again. I started writing more reviews and then I got pregnant again and wrote more reviews. But by then I was like, you know, I, I think this could turn into something. It was a hobby. And then I didn't really get serious. I started my own blog in 2011 after I had about a year after I had my third kid. And then, but I didn't really make any money from it until like 2014 when I was like, wait, I can support myself on this. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. But by then I had stopped with a lot of reviews and started working with brands. And now I am picky with what I do. If I don't believe in something, I'm not going to work with them because then that's not authentic. And my readers would call me out on it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very, I'm careful with what I do. And there's some things that, you know, I would go back and I would say, I would do this a little differently. But the fact mm -hmm. is, I'm happy with how I am and the fact that I can, you know, like for example, for my kids, yes, I believe in treats mm -hmm. and, but on the whole, I want healthy recipes for my family because 
it's so easy to spiral and and things like that and the bottom line is it should be healthy for my family it should be good for us yes have your treat also but the mm-hmm. majority of of recipes that i ever post are healthy and mm-hmm. i feel like my recipes should be healthier because that's what i try to do and we have a lot of food challenges which i'll get into in a few minutes but um also like easy like you're a mom you have no time to get dinner on a table if you're going to roast some veggies and maybe make some chicken or some tofu or some mm-hmm. fish, that's a healthy meal. You don't have to do a yes. lot of things to make it healthy. Um, no. For example, like my kids have always been very picky, but what I do is I try to, I try to shop as organic as I can mm-hmm. and I'll cut up vegetables. I'll take out like a low fat dip or I'll take out hummus and I'll serve that. And my kids will now ask for that. Now, are we perfect? No. But I've trained them like, hey, you're hungry. Here's some vegetables. Right. Now, doesn't mean that my kids won't reach for Doritos. It doesn't mean that my right. little one won't grab the Nutella and a banana at 4.30 and do his own fake cooking show. But on the, on the own thing, like we just try. And right. So I try. And the thing is, is if I keep pushing and I keep putting the healthy foods out, then they're eating that and then having the Doritos after or the snacks right. after or having the ice cream after. I mean, you have to, like when I was little, when my kids were little, I didn't want to put anything like that. My husband's like, let them have some ice cream. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, that that's hard, still hard for me sometimes, but mm-hmm. if I want them to eat, then I have to do that. But as I said, we do have some food challenges and I'll get into that in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. All of us are, are not perfect. There is no perfect. You know what I mean? There is no perfect. No, even the people who you think are perfect, they have flaws. And so, and there's, that's why I don't even really like use a lot of the time those terms because it's just like unrealistic. And it's, if I, nobody, everybody's trying. And I think that's the beauty of it all at the same time, because everybody is trying. And if you just, if you keep trying, and even if you're going towards, um, being a better version most of the time you're still doing better than you were before you know and so that's why that's always just my my path that I'm always on like if I just take a little step further than I better than I was before based on you know the information that I know now then I'm going in the right direction (laughs) and so that's 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 all we can do you know and it's it's less stressful for us as well (laughs) because we're moms we got a lot going on (laughs) it it just doesn't stop and that that's the fact like um you know that my kids are not always gonna eat healthy and I don't Mm -hmm. expect them to cook take the fruit over the cookies but if you have the fruit cookies or it's like 70% fruit 30% cookies it's little swaps I mean, mm-hmm. my mother, um, when I was born late 1970, did the whole no sugar thing when my brother was born like three and a half years later. And of course we rebelled. So I think about that. Like that made me go far the other way for a long time. Like I'm not going to have mm-hmm. healthy food. So like I'm trying, like, right. I try to get my kids cooking. I try to get them picking out things. And now with the pandemic, they're not going in the stores, but you know, right. my son will be like, well, I want this, this, and this, and I'll get him the majority of it. But you know, mm-hmm. my 14 year old, um, as we'll get into it, has type one diabetes and he is super healthy. 
with his body now, like even though he has this condition. And I think it's because we're very conscious about what we give him, but Mm -hmm. his cholesterol was up and we were told to cut back on certain things like, like milk and, you know, he loves milk, which is funny because I do not like milk, but he loves, (laughs) he loves milk. So they're like, so the doctor's like, just cut down to 2%. She's like, you know, cut the Doritos down to every other day. Cause I was letting him have a small portion of it because being that he's 14, he's super, super hungry too. Right. Teenager. Mm-hmm. But the point is it's, it's about balance. And even, you know, I never thought a 14 year old would have a cholesterol issue, but he does. Okay. So, okay. Back. Um, <laughs> no, you, no, you know, no. I keep jumping ahead on things because we have as, as we said, we have a lot of food challenges and we have a lot of things that we have to kind of keep in mind. For example, um, like it just started with picky eaters. And then my son was diagnosed with type one diabetes when Mm -hmm. he was almost 12 years old. And that was three years ago on August 17th, um, 2017. Like I still tear up about it because it was an awful time. He was in the PICU, the um, ICU for kids for two days and we didn't know what was happening. Like I knew like my husband had been away and he'd gotten back from a trip late that night when Ben started actually vomiting. And that like, you hear like all these stories and how like, and I do it, like how type one diabetes starts. Like it's supposed to be, you're very thirsty, you're peeing a lot. Mm-hmm. That only happened four days before everything just went to, to excuse my language, hell with us. No. It wasn't the main sign it was wow mood changes actually so like we traced it back like six months before he'd actually longer than six months um the october before he was diagnosed he had a very weird episode where he was like saying very weird things and then that february we had come back from a ski trip a a press trip and he was very weird like and we're like what is this like like why are you flipping out And then Mm -hmm. I went on another press trip in June, two months before he was diagnosed and he started vomiting at like six in the morning. And we're like, what is this? And we figured out now that it was his pancreas with type one diabetes, your pancreas stops working. It's very different from type two where type two is, you know, your body is just not making like it's different with the insulin. Like it's kind of your insulin resistant. Like it's not, your body is, it's just not, it's doing something else. So type one type and type one type, type one and type two are very, very different. And I don't have the exact definition of type two, but with type one, because my son has it, I know a lot about it. So this pancreas basically started sputtering out. It doesn't happen immediately. It didn't happen even on August 7, um, 21st when he was diagnosed. It started like, it was basically not working, but there was a little life left in it. So the four days before this all happened in August with him, he started getting very thirsty. Now it was the middle of that. It was right before that whole eclipse and it was hot out and my husband was away. And so we went out to dinner and then like he threw up the neck in the middle of the night and then he was fine the next day. So we just went on with our life and then he was drinking like a ton. And, you know, you see someone every day it's different. Like I didn't realize like he was losing weight either. I mean, he was always on like the very skinny kid. So mm-hmm. the morning, like he, my husband came home from, he was on um, an archeology. He loves to do archeology. span So his, oh, that's awesome. 
Yeah. So like on his vacation, he took two weeks. He went to Bulgaria, comes back at seven o'clock that night. Now, then it was really hot out and I kind of like let dinner go and he had like a donut for dinner Mm -hmm. now. And then like he snuck Skittles and like, like middle of the night, whatever. And then he starts throwing up. Now my husband Mm -hmm. just come back from a trip and we, he was like, Oh, okay. I'll stay up with him. Now Ben was supposed to go on a trip the next day with my in-laws and I was supposed to be in the city for work for a blogger um, event. And so he kept throwing up and he was like trying to make like an, an energy drink with sugar in it and honey. And he kept throwing up everything. So I figured it was a gastro issue. And I just mm-hmm. got worried because he started getting less responsive. And he, he, at one point, like he couldn't even get himself dressed and he was like, mm on the floor and I couldn't get him. I'm sorry. He was on the floor. He was dressed, but my younger son is on the autistic spectrum and changes and mm-hmm. emergencies are really hard for him. My mm-hmm. daughter just took him like, she's, she was like seven at the time. And the baby was five. I think I don't even know anymore. So she basically got her brother dressed and out. And I mm-hmm. didn't want to call an ambulance. Cause I didn't, I figured, you know, he, it's just gastro and, you know, gastro issue. So we went to our, we took the subway and we were and like, I had a bag. So Ben had a vomit, like I was covered and he, he was bad. And we didn't, this, we didn't know what it was. So we went to the doctor and the doctor like heard us came in cause we called ahead and Ben took a bottle of water from him, guzzled it down. And then huh. doctor checked him and he's like, his glucose is over 500. And wow. that's not good. Now there's right. kids diagnosed that are like 1100. But if you're over, really? oh yeah, if you're over 400, that's a big problem. So they're like, oh, you have to go to the ER. We're like, what are you talking about? And he kind of explained to me now I'm going to credit my sister-in-law for this one because she's a doctor and they were going to take us to a hospital nearby that I didn't really think was good. And it didn't have a pediatric unit. And I had done work with the R baby foundation and they always advocate for taking a child to an ER that is equipped to deal with them. And I knew that the mm-hmm. hospital we were going to was not. I always believe in, um, there's a children's hospital near us that is very good. Um, used to be called Cohen's Children's Hospital. Now it's Northwell Health um, Cohen's. And she got on the phone and she made those EMTs take us to Cohen's. Now it's, was, it was like 20 minutes away, but like they gave him like stuck and I, it was just scary. And like, I took pictures of him just so I would know like, there's only one picture I ever published of it because it was scary to see how he looked. I'm he, sure. Yeah, and it was it was hard. And so, like, you know, they said, oh, it's diabetes. We're like, what are you talking mm-hmm. about? Because he didn't have those typical symptoms except for, like, four days before. And yada, right. yada, yada. He, we went through the night. Like, you know, the family descended, you know, because I told my mother to go to one hospital and then I got her to go to the hospital that was actually closer to her house that we felt comfortable at. And he was fine like two days later like they they showed they taught him how to do insulin and they gave us a lot of training now that's the thing like they come in you know our practice we had a new endocrinology practice suddenly and you know they they really do train you because they want you to really be able to help your child and that is the good thing because they Mm -hmm. don't they don't want you coming back to the hospital because a right. lot of people don't know how to deal with that. And, you know, it's funny because there are shows out there that show type 1 diabetes. And 
Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong, sometimes it's not exactly that, but it's not the kind of thing where he goes low, I give him a little candy and he's okay. It's not right. Really that. And that's and not, yeah. That's exactly why I wanted to have you on and to share your, your, your story because we, as a society, we have so much focus. We often hear about uh, type two diabetes because to be most of the time, type two diabetes has to do with lifestyle things that you're doing, you know, like that is a result of lifestyle uh, choices what in the long run you know what I mean like what may, what may happen and sometimes people are able to even reverse uh, yeah. type 2 diabetes completely through lifestyle changes including like exercising more and maybe uh, potentially like lo losing weight and changing the way they're eating and the type 2 diabetes diagnosis can be completely reversed and but with type 1 diabetes we as a society do not <laughs> put much focus on it at all as far as education and sh uh, sharing what it actually looks like and what it is and so that's why I thought it was really really important to get you on as a mom as someone who's sharing about it to share like what really happens with it with you you or your family and even you 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 hit the whole third question that I had as far as like <laughs> <laughs> what 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 um you know what happens in your family and what uh, giving us a peek into what uh, you decided to share about your family because I didn't want to like I wanted you to share what uh, the diagnosis and everything and even thank you so much for explaining that it has to do specifically with the pancreas um, pretty much giving out as opposed to um, with type 2 diabetes it's not it's not exactly that and that's why there are um, kids and people who are younger that and that can get type 1 diabetes and that you'll hear about it more um and it's different than type 2 diabetes it's just fundamentally different um diagnosis and 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 way to go about life and so thank you for sharing all of that thanks i mean i, I feel like you know there and there are exceptions but they, i mean there are adults there's somebody's husband i know who's 30 year old man very healthy he has type 1 now and like, mm -hmm. not fair because like healthy guy worked out, has it now. But like, right. that's the thing, like my son is so healthy. He was 55 pounds in the hospital. This was three years ago. He is now 99 pounds. He's strong. His A1C has gone down. He will always have type oh, wow. 1 diabetes. Right. And he's healthy. And for, for example, like there's a lot of misconceptions and you're right. You know what? I didn't know anything about it. I knew one girl in my whole life who ever had it growing up. And, you know, I, she was younger than me, but you know, she just dealt with it. Like with us, it was, you know, like my father has type two. My mother was able to reverse type two. I'm pre-diabetes. So I'm really desperately trying not to have type two myself, but that has nothing to do with why my son has type one. And right. It's two different things. It's two completely different things. Yeah. He was not overweight. He never ate a lot of candy. He, he loves like tortilla chips and Doritos mm -hmm. like he not a candy person and in fact is like he was eating Skittles right before he was diagnosed he will not touch Skittles to this day um just mm -hmm. it's a trigger for him and then certain right. things like I'm still triggered by it I'm still upset by it because I see how could I have not seen things well he didn't have like the main as I said the main symptoms are very thirsty and urinating a lot he didn't mm -hmm. have that until four days before if, you know, if I had really seen that, I would have said something, but something went off in my mind over those four days before he was diagnosed. I was like, wait, what is this going on? Um, but the vomiting, like that's not a main system. Symptom. Yeah. I've not heard of that. 
No. And also sweet breath is a, and like, I don't remember what his breath smelled like. I didn't smell his breath, but that's right. another, that's the point is like, there's organizations that really do a good job with putting out flyers showing this and um, like beyond type one.org. I may not agree with the organization as a whole because they do, huh, that's another issue, but mm -hmm. they do have the warning signs. And that's something that, you know, if your child starts or, or an adult starts getting really thirsty, like that's something you really need to look at. And so unfortunately, since my son was diagnosed, we know several other people that were diagnosed. And we mm -hmm. got a call about two months ago that one of my husband's people who was in his wedding, his best man, um, his son was diagnosed. Mm. And like, it's scary like that because there's a lot of children that this is happening to. And the thing is, if I had just ignored my kid and be like, oh, go take a nap, could have right. been fatal. And like, I feel guilty about that because I was afraid to call an ambulance. I was afraid to call an Uber because I didn't know if he would throw up in an Uber. I, and I figured the subway, the good thing is we can take a subway because my husband was at work and had the car. And we live in um, Queens. And so like I can take the subway luckily to our doctor's office. And I am so glad that we did that because our doctor knew exactly what was happening as soon as we walked in. He heard the symptoms and he was proactive. And my sister-in-law who yelled at for us until we got to go to the children's hospital, she, it, you know, thank God for her because I wasn't strong enough to advocate for myself at that point. I was trying to corral the baby and my daughter and take care of my son. And it was you know, awful. But the fact is he is healthier and my son is healthier now. And with food and changes, I do, they do say kids with type one diabetes, adults with type one diabetes do do better on a low carb diet. But my son is a teenager and, mm -hmm. you know, you're striking a balance with it. Like we were told they need 200 carbs a day to grow versus there's people that feel like less carbs are better. And like, all those people who talk about doing keto, you still going to need insulin. And, you know, I do make low carb things for him, but the fact is I try to shave off carbs where I can, like, for example, I'll give him whole grain bread, bread that's lower carb. I specifically look to buy things that are lower carb for him because mm -hmm. he's not going to make this choice for himself. So right. the wheat bread or whole grain bread, that's 20 carbs a slice. If I find one that's 13 carbs a slice, I'm going to buy that over it. Right. And I do feel that nutrition does play a part. I do feel that, you know, like, like, for example, like I make him a lot of sweet potatoes because his blood sugar doesn't spike with those. So I do mm -hmm. a lot of research. Right. And now like the fact is I love to serve brown rice. It spikes his blood sugar. I can't, mm -hmm. he just can't have it. Certain so pastas. I look for whole grain but there's only like one brand that really works with him. And we're at my father-in-law's now and he didn't buy that brand. Okay. So of course he spiked, but right. sometimes I have to let it go. The funniest thing is ice cream doesn't spike him. Really? Yeah. We give insulin to cover the food. Meaning if he's going to have 23 grams of carbs, we put it, like he's on an insulin pump and he's, he has a Dexcom CGM monitor. The Dexcom CGM monitor I put it into his lower back. I have to shoot it in and put a transmitter in and it monitors him, his blood sugar. So we, we always know his blood sugar. And then like the Omnipod insulin pump, we just went to a new system, but that gives him three days worth of insulin. So that's that illuminate because before that he was getting four shots a day. Wow. 
that eliminates 12 shots into one shot into the arm. And wow. I'm so glad that we can afford to have this technology. We can afford to get him an iPhone to check this technology, which I've bricked the phone because he goes crazy on the phone. So he can't do that anymore, but like we can afford this. And so, you know, we can afford his insulin. And, you know, I was talking to a mother on Instagram the other day who new into her journey. She found me and, you know, we talk on, on Instagram in a private message and I try to help her where I can, but um, she just installed something um, on her son and she doesn't have the technology like I do. And I, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I feel very bad because I don't know if there's anything I can do for her to help her right. with getting her better technology because I, I can't, I don't, but like, I'm trying to help her see if she can figure out some options, maybe trade the right. phone for a phone that is compatible. That's another thing though. Like, as I said, we're lucky we can afford it. You know, we're not going out and buying Rolls Royces or anything like that, but right. our insurance didn't cover it a lot of things for the first two years and we were lucky that it started covering things and then we switched insurances and everything diabetes is covered now but other things we're paying very expensive rates for so okay that's it's kind of a trade-off but a trade-off mm-hmm. i'm okay with that i try mm-hmm. to change things but we've had some more food challenges um as of my husband was diagnosed with celiac in march Oh, wow. No symptoms, but his younger brother was diagnosed with it in January. So that made my husband go get checked. And we had an endoscopy in the beginning of the pandemic. And sure enough, celiac, which is... Wow. And for for the audience, if you don't know, if you could explain, I know it changes to, um, you have to look for more gluten-free options because of the protein in the the wheat, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So he can't have anything with wheat and with celiac and the weird things is like with celiac we were told you have to have a parent who has celiac to have celiac well he didn't have that because his parents were checked but his grandmother had celiac so Hmm. i don't know exactly what the right thing is so basically i make wheat free dinners because my husband takes care of himself for breakfast and lunch which is very nice he works okay worked at home for the last two and a half years so he's kind of used to there and then now there's so many gluten-free products that yeah there are thankfully makes it a lot easier but they do say that um because we're wondering how did my son get type 1 diabetes okay because you know you're looking for answers and they're not always answers sometimes there's a relative who has something sometimes just out of the blue right a lot of parents will be like well you know we had this but we had that but celiac type 1 diabetes and thyroid issues are very closely related Hmm. Yeah, my hus- my husband's father has thyroid issues. My husband is celiac. So it's kind of not surprising that my son has type 1 diabetes from that, but this was all kind of figured out after it wasn't like, oh, we knew that my, you know, we knew it was coming cuz we didn't. But there's also a right. big likelihood if you have one child with type 1 diabetes, t- sorry. If you have oh. one child with type 1 diabetes, you may have another child with it. So right. I get my kids tested. Um, when they get blood work, we had blood work done a few months after Ben was diagnosed and they did not have the antibodies, but my daughter does have celiac antibodies. We just went through this in May, actually June, getting her tested because she was having issues and she was vomiting like once a week. And we're like, what is this? Hmm. So in the middle of this, like we, you know, we did tele- her, telehealth with 
a gastroenterologist and there were enough markers and there were enough things that we had an endoscopy and they found out she does not have celiac, which is good, even though she has a lot of the markers and with the amount of markers she has, some people would go gluten-free, but I didn't want to do that to her um, if yeah. I didn't have to, but she does have- Yeah, there's some people, there's some people who are like, I have a friend, very good friend who she is a, she doesn't, she doesn't have celiac, but it's more like a gluten sensitivity. So she just rather, she just goes for gluten free option just because it makes her more comfortable. Well, that's, that's definitely really important to listen to your body. I mean, with my daughter, she's not having that, but my mm -hmm. husband has celiac and doesn't even feel bad when he has gluten. So, but you oh. know, he knows it could cause damage. So he's, you know, there was damage. So he's just avoiding it and he's right. taking it really well. But with my daughter, they found a mild lactose intolerance. Now I have that. <laughs> so do I. Mm -hmm. And it's very weird because there's certain things I can handle. And then mm -hmm. if I have like a drop of ice cream, like, uh-uh. So, like, you know, it, and it, that's the thing. Like, I've had stomach ulcers. Um, I've had my gallbladder out. I have gastroparesis. So, like, I try to be very careful with myself. So, and I've, you know, I'm trying to lose weight. So, it's my son with trying to reduce carbs. It's me with watching what I eat and trying to eat very healthy for me. And then it's my daughter with the mild lactose intolerance. Yeah. And then it's my husband with celiac. And then my, my other child be really picky and be on the autistic spectrum. So that's our yeah, well, It's a lot. But you know what, though? We're healthy as long yeah. as. Yeah. And it's, I feel like I'm kind of on a, it's funny because in my 20s, I did work for the Food Network. Um, really? I, yeah, I was in production and I loved it. I was there for five years. And that's where I really kind of, I started there at 23, left at 28. And I loved working in cooking shows, but I didn't cook back then. I learned to mm -hmm. cook with my son. I was pregnant with my first son 15 years ago. And now like my style of cooking has changed over the years. I mm -hmm. used to make a lot of like baked CDs. I don't make that anymore. Because, right. You know, but I do a lot of, you know, like for, I mean, I know everyone loves quinoa. I just don't, but like my <laughs> sister had like a good quinoa recipe that with vegetables and like some balsamic and like, that's good. But I make right. brown basmati rice all the time in the instant pot. I make sweet I love potatoes. It. <laughs> I don't know what I would do without my instant pot. And you should me too. that right there. Too. I know you love it. Put a link. Oh my God. Like I, 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 there's up until I, don't, I had shared on my, um, my Instagram and stuff, how I had the stupid fear about pressure cookers for so long. And I was like, no, I'm not gonna get this instant pot. I'm not gonna get it. And then finally, when I got it, I was like, what was I thinking? Why didn't I get it? It's, I literally use it every day, every I, day. I miss it. I, I think I have to get a travel one with me because, or just take it with me. Cause my, my brother got into it. And then like, it was like three years ago and he's like, hey, you need an instant pot. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Cause he makes hot sauce in his. Um, really? Yeah, he's got the, the green thumb. So he just moved to a new house and he's planting, planting a lot of stuff and he's happy because my mother um, always had a garden and my mother actually has a ton of orchids and plants and I can water her plants when she's away. I'm good at that. But other than that, like I'm afraid of plants, but like, it's nice though, because my brother isn't and my son isn't and, you know, mm -hmm. they love everything like that. But the Instant Pot has it's been good. And I love it. It's a stainless steel insert because like I've gotten rid of a lot of like my nonstick. Yeah. Cookware. I got the stainless steel one too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a little more work, but it's fine. I mean, we've, 
And it's because of wellness writers that I've done that because when I've seen why it's not good, it's changed how I do things. Right. I feel good with the Instant Pot um, because I know that it's stainless steel and, Mm -hmm. you know, it it makes my life like I can throw the sweet potatoes, I can throw the eggs in there. And it's, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily make like those one pot meals all the time in the Instant Pot. Yeah, not so much. But it, it literally, like the other night we had friends over and it was, I was decided to cook and I was like, okay, I'm going to cook for it. Was, I think in total it had to be about 10 people. And I, like I've shared before, like I try to cook so everyone feels included, right? Like, so I have a lot of different options with what I cook. So I had made, I ended up making a total of four small chickens, right? Small, four small chickens. I had um, this rice and lentils um, dish that I like to make that I forgot what it's, what I'm going to share about it once I get, because I I also don't cook with recipes. So that's what makes me sharing recipes the worst. Like, it's like, I'm always like, well, I don't usually use recipes. So I just kind of like put a little of this. So So I'm getting the recipe down to share it because it's so stupid easy but it's so good so I, ha- I made that and then mm-hmm. I make this like salsa full salsa with like tomatoes and pepper like um little shishito peppers but I take the 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 um the seeds out so it's not hot at all and a couple of other things and grilled peach salad I made all and mm-hmm. I, I made this mm-hmm. all in like no time using the instant <laughs> Oh, I was just recipes. <laughs> I will, I'll share them. What I, will, I do we'll sometimes when I cook, I don't always use a recipe either. I have mm-hmm. to write it down and then go over. Like I make notes while I'll cook it or I'll video myself mm-hmm. because there's so many times I'll make something and I'll be like, oh, that would be really good for the blog. Like we did this whole peanut chicken stir fry. And like my daughter, Ooh. oh, I forgot to ask my, my daughter is a, add, forgot to add my daughter's a pescatarian. So okay. I cook a lot more fish. I cook a lot more vegetarian meals for her or I'll make an option. So we made it first without any chicken in it and mm-hmm. we made it vegetarian for her and then we served her and then we finished by throwing the chicken that we had made that's in there. Exactly, that's exactly the way I make things like that. You start everything yeah. with either vegetarian or vegan the way and then you add the other things in later yeah. on. Because mm-hmm. it, she's happier that way. Like my father-in-law is great though because- He'll make salmon and he'll be like, okay, well, Allegra's going to have this. Um, so she oh, I love that name. Thank you. My daughter's Allegra. <laughs> um, we picked it out of the baby book because we couldn't decide. But um, she, she eats salmon. So we put salmon aside for her. And then he was able to make, like, make turkey meatballs last night. And mm-hmm. she just, she had, um, I think, I don't think she had the salmon last because we went out to dinner. We, there was a restaurant open. We went, you know, we're, we're mm-hmm. in upstate New York right now. And it's a little bit different than being in the city that you can actually go into restaurants, which is just crazy to me. <laughs> but anyway, it's just, so anyway, they, he served dinner last night and I kind of wish that we had had the pasta that Ben could have had, but I'll mm-hmm. go out and get a box of that. Cause like my husband has the gluten-free pasta now. And then my father-in-law will buy a certain brand. And so we don't have everything that we would have downstate, but my father-in-law is an amazing cook and I cook with him up here and he just knows like how much time is going to take. For me, I'm always like, okay, if I start at 5.30, I'm hoping it'll be done at 6.30, but sometimes it's not. I'm mm-hmm. not precise. So, but he, like, he'll know it takes 55 minutes to make this, which is a <laughs> I just do not have. But, I don't have that either. <laughs> no, 
but I do like the fact like that you made that like that grilled peach salad. I'm now I want that. I'm gonna go. It's so easy. Like I make it on because my friend when they came over and they actually got mad because I packed them stuff to go home and they will they open it up and they're like, "Where's the peaches?" Right? <laughs> and they sent me a text like, "Where's the peaches?" <laughs> but all you do is really okay. So I'll share it on the blog. I'll say all you do is take the peaches whether you take it and you have it or you core it you know like cut it into little slices and then i use the the cast iron grill like i have the cast iron pan that has the grill i spray some um olive oil that i have in like a misto spray whatever it's the olive oil you put on it on the actual cast iron thing and you just grill it just that's it just super and just cut it up and put it on the grill and that at the end once it gets a little tender put a little salt on top of it, just like a little salt on the top. Cause then that, you know, the salt helps to increase the, um, the sweetness. Oh my goodness. It's so good. It's so good. I totally want that now. Now would you serve so that up with greens or just. Yeah, I served that. Well, I, I made a salad and I had like arugula salad with spring mix and, and I was going to put a little like, um, I put cucumbers and I was going to put, um, uh, red onions, but then I didn't know if the kids was going to eat that. So I just didn't put it in there. But then the adults was like, well, you should put the red onions in. Well, but, uh, but I made yeah. that salad, tossed it with a little olive oil and a little, um, a little bit of salt and a little bit of pepper. And I put the grilled peaches on the top of that. That sounds absolutely delicious. Yeah. I need to see that recipe. <laughs> uh, last night we were at this place and it's this place called bottoms up in slate hill new york we're up in orange county right now and we mm -hmm. went there last week we always go to this place and they're just nice the food's really good so last week i had a sea bass that was just so tender mm. and they did this whole zoodle salad with vegetables oh. and just oh my god so good so last night like i rarely eat red meat but i had a steak last night like i don't it's i just don't do well with red meat so i don't do it very often mm -hmm. It was so good with, they had like the zoodle salad again, but this time with different sauce and they had like a potato cake and it was just really mm. good. Um, but this place is nice. Like my brother-in-law had this whole salad and with like a ton of fruit on it. Now I would never have thought to take this salad and put like a chicken breast on it. So it was like chicken with watermelon and, and um, cantaloupe and green. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it looked amazing like i'm gonna try to make yeah it's so it's so fun it's so fun i, I know we're just making everybody we're making everybody so hungry <laughs> well, i'm sure but try it out everybody should try, definitely try it try that's, it i like that's that's to, the biggest thing different dimensions yeah and if food isn't fun like i mean we make tacos a lot so for my daughter i'll do black beans or I'll do some kind of a pinto bean or something because mm -hmm. um, we really try to do whole foods for her when possible. Yes, I will buy meat substitutes. I do like some of the brands. I don't like some of the other brands, um, but we kind of, I let her lead on that. So, you mm -hmm. know, I'll say, you know, do you want veggie bur a veggie burger cut up or do you want um, a veggie sausage or do you want beans? I'll let her sometimes lead it and sometimes I'll just make the beans because I like them. And then- yeah. I make turkey. I make a chicken in the instant pot with um, verde salsa and a cup of water, Ooh. and it's easiest thing possible. And it's like thirty minutes. And I actually shredded it with um, a mixer, like one of those little hand mixers. I've seen, I've seen the 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 videos about that, and I was like, really? <laughs> I had one on TikTok that actually did really well about it. Just me shredding chicken. 
but you never know what's going to go viral on TikTok. It's weird. But anyway, yes, it is weird. I'll, I'll make that because it's kind of saucy and like I don't do spicy because I just don't have the stomach for it. But verde salsa, I love Trader Joe's. They make a very clean verde salsa. They do. They do. They very. They do. And I've done they whole do. thirty and. A lot of those lessons have stayed with me with the whole 30. It got mm-hmm. me into making sweet potatoes more and, you know, see what we, ha- what, see how your body reacts to certain things. And right. I, my body doesn't react to gluten no differently than anything else. I've learned that I do react to dairy. So mm-hmm. like, I do feel like following whole 30 helped me personally. Um, I do Weight Watchers because I feel like I need that program for me and like it's wellness for me. So that, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about self-care. That is my self-care mm-hmm. and exercising. Like I'm plus size, but I exercise and, you know, I feel good when I exercise and this with this whole pandemic, you know, my gym is closed and I went to a small personal training gym and I love them, but, but like, I, I really wish that, you know, they were doing zoom stuff and they're not. And so whatever. So you know, I found a great class on Tuesdays that I do on Facebook with this woman who's related to someone else I know. And then I'm using my mother's trainer and we've trained by FaceTime and he puts me mm-hmm. through a great workout and it's not expensive. And I, I felt for me, like I would rather spend 55 bucks a week on my self-care mm-hmm. and eat the way like, no, I can't get everything in a pandemic. I, I love this whole grain bread from, I don't know if you ever had Joseph's. Um, no. So- it's this brand called Joseph's and it's flax bran and oat bread, uh, flax, flax, oat bran and flax seed. Bread. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love the breads because it's healthy. It's low in points on Weight Watchers and it just makes me feel good. So I love the flatbread. So like when my daughter was commuting to school back when we had school, she went to school about 40 minutes away. So we would take her on the subway in the morning and then she would go home with a friend. But like, I would pack like a lunch for breakfast and take that with me. And I felt like I could stay on track. I would just pick up coffee and then I would have my sandwich. And like, for me, like self-care, like I need to control things. And the way I can do that is why exercising and making portions for myself. And, you know, like we all have things that make us feel better. That makes me feel better. And I, yeah, that's a, that. I was that was that was one of the questions I was gonna <laughs> ask you. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, this is a natural conversation. No, it's funny. No, it is. That's what I love about these conversations is that they always just end up being so natural, which is awesome. But and, I do have one question I'm gonna ask. Okay, you, I'm here. Because so one question because if at the end of the the episodes I try to ask questions that the listener can actually take away and actually apply to their life right away. I made this question based on the fact that like, especially when we're becoming new moms, we're just really, really scared about everything that could possibly go wrong. You know, like I'm not a new mom, you're not a new mom, but there may be new moms and new moms could just be, you know, someone who is pregnant right now or just had a baby or whatever it is. But how, now that you've been through a lot with your kids, right. And things, what information or what advice could you give to the moms who are like really have so much anxiety around possibly anything going wrong with their kids? Like what, what would you give to them? Well, okay. For you, for you, and this is something, when you became a new mom, you researched before you became a mom, you researched a pediatrician, correct? Yes. Um, you researched baby clothes, you researched baby gear. 
-hmm. keep, keep researching, but you can't let yourself get too anxious about it. Like I would say, like, if it helps you to be a list maker, make a list of questions that you, you know, you find your doctor, you make a list of questions before you go in and you kind of write it down. And I'm, I know like I'm the kind of person, if I don't make a list, it's not, I won't remember it. So write down any questions you have and then find the person or the research um, source to ask those questions to. So like, if you're worried about what your baby's going to eat, you make a list, you know, to the doctor, what does a typical day for a baby look like? What are they going to eat? Is, you know, how many times should they breastfeed? Or like, if you're not able to breastfeed, like how many bottles should they get? Or, you know, if you're able to get donor milk, like how many bottles of donor milk should they get? I mean, like I had a lot of problems breastfeeding and I was always so surprised about that because I'm on like, I have... Um, large chest. So like mm -hmm. I was thinking it'd be mm -hmm. so easy for me and it wasn't. So my thing is I thought breastfeeding would work and it didn't with me. So I had to find a plan B. And unfortunately for us, for my first child, that led to formula. Didn't want to mm -hmm. get formula, but I had to. Mm -hmm. For my second child, I got a lactose um, consultant, a lactation consultant immediately. And while I wasn't able to produce 100% of the milk I wanted to, I was able to do 50%. And that was a lot more. And then when I had the third kid, immediately I was able to do like 90% of um, mm -hmm. breast milk for him. Like I said, you know, it's not working for me. What would work for me? And I was so upset that I had to do formula with my first child and half for the second child that for the third child, I was like, uh-uh. Now he was a very hungry kid. I still had to give one bottle of formula a day. Mm -hmm. And then I realized I had to give myself some grace because yes. I was making myself so upset about this and that wasn't helping anything. Right. Um, so but the thing is research. And if you have a plan B, so like, let's say you have a kid that's one years old and suddenly, and they were eating everything and suddenly now they're not, well, what are you going to do? Change up what you're doing, you know, kind of, I know with my kids, I need to have a plan A, plan B, plan C, plan B, <laughs> because they right. don't like, also like my, with my first child, it wasn't all my fault. He had low muscle tone. And that's why he like he threw up a lot of food too. So if I had had this diagnosed and if we had maybe, you know, done something or be able to get therapy for him, he might've been able to breastfeed. He might've been able to do more things. I mean, I didn't make enough milk and then he had this issue. So, mm -hmm. but you don't know that as a new mom, you just know that your kid is four months old and he's refusing to nurse at all. And you're just panicking. So I think also as a society, we don't ask for help enough. Yes. We don't. And also with moms, I know in a lot of other cultures, they really support moms and I don't feel that moms are supported. Um, my husband didn't know how to help me. My mother-in-law who had breastfed three kids exclusively tried her best and she was a help, but things were still going wrong. Mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's like... Is there money? Like now I love when I go to the doctor and they're like, here, here's a lack, you know, when I go to the pediatrician's office and I see that they working with a lot, they're, they're working with a lactation consultant. Here's that person's number. You know, it's covered by insurance in a lot of cases now where it wasn't before, you know, they kind of mm -hmm. need to check on moms more and be Absolutely. like, oh, yeah. Like, and the thing is, that's why when I, I had my first child in 2005, there weren't a lot of mom blogs that then back then they were just starting. So, you know, we had like a MySpace page, but that wasn't anything. There was, <laughs> there were no podcasts and this, and I can see how yours would be so helpful to a lot of people on their wellness journeys because they didn't have this years ago, but now we have things like this. You can, you know, Google 
for whatever you want to say about it, it gets a lot of answers for people. And I remember being in the hospital with, with my son in 2017, going, what the heck do I feed this kid now with type 1 diabetes? And there was nothing out there. There was one blog I found about a mom who had a five-year-old. Well, that wasn't really going to help me. So that's right. another reason why I wrote a lot of blog posts about it. And I shared what I fed him and that I would make lower carb choices where I could and what lower carb choices I was making, like that Joseph's brand I mentioned. They mm -hmm. make low carb flatbreads, they make low carb uh, lavash, you cut it in half. I mean, it's, if for example, if I'm feeding my son uh, like a sandwich at night or if we're doing something and everyone else is having rice or pasta and I know that the brand I have is not gonna be good for him or if I know the rice isn't good for him, I give him a Joseph's wrap. Right. He's happy because he has bread and I'm happy because <laughs> I know it's like one fourth the carbs of what I was gonna give him and he's just as happy. Right. So, I make swaps and I make choices a lot. And that's the thing with type one diabetes. And I do feel so passionate about it because you get this big diagnosis and then what do you do? And right. you know, medical care, like we had a really bad time this week because we switched to a new system and we didn't set it up correctly. I called, we went, we switched to a new practice at the end of February because I felt like the doctor who was a very intelligent guy I could never get an appointment with him. And you know what? Uh, not okay. Right. So I, I wrote about that, but I was careful not to identify the practice and not to, it wasn't personal. It's just, I couldn't get an appointment with the guy. And for me, that was just not okay with me. So mm -hmm. I found, we went to a practice that the doctor was fantastic. Now, yes, they charge a lot more, but this doctor, like we had a really bad time a few months ago. She got on the phone with me and she figured out why. My last office never did that. They just said, okay, well, this is how you fix it. Figure right. out why. Like, why is a kid having symptoms? Why is their blood sugar really high? They went back over records and they able, were able to read the data, even this week with me and go, okay, well, we think it was this. To me, awesome. yeah, I felt really validated that, okay, we know you have, a, and the thing is, I have to send in data um, from yesterday and from the day before to just show them how things were going because we weren't sure if it was a technical issue with his new insulin pod or if it was a growth spurt. Right. So we'll figure that out together. And I'm just fine. Mm -hmm. If I don't advocate for my child's health, no one else will. That you're leading me to the question that I don't have. I didn't give you yet. <laughs> I didn't give you an idea of yeah. what has been Bring it on. Has popping up in my mind the whole conversation. What how what tips would you give for moms that from everything that you've learned about being an advocate for yourself and your kids trust that little voice inside when it's saying this isn't right here when you know that uh-uh like for example even in the first days of type 1 diabetes like i was convinced we were going to go back to the hospital at night and I might, you know, the, the correct thing to do was to call the doctor's office and talk it out. Even if at midnight, they would call you back. And that's, you can't be afraid to call the doctor and say, something's not right. What do I do? You know, trust yourself too. Like, you know, that, you know, if your kid is choking on something and turning blue, that's a very visible sign. But if your kid's vomiting and you don't know why, don't accept that, oh, they're just kids. Say, I don't, I, I want to know more. Why is my kid vomiting? Why is my kid doing this? You know, what's, what's the step here? If you can't help me, I'm going to find a doctor that would, you right. know, you, that's the thing like moms and dads. And I believe dads can be just as involved as moms. And it's not a, only a mom thing. 
and you know the same thing with same-sex parents like they are so passionate about their kids Mm -hmm. help them help these help these parents so like you know if you're not satisfied with what a doctor is saying find another doctor get another right go for something like you know test out things like that's the thing like when i serve my kids food they're not going to eat it at first okay fine you try it again you try it again you know, you find a way to do things. And the same thing with health. Like if you have a child with a symptom that is really worrying you, you need to listen to yourself and, right. and find someone who's going to listen to you because it's not always going to be easy. And if I had just thought my kid was just throwing up and just put him back to bed, like our outcome could have been very different. Yes. Yes. And it, it's, it's so important to, to not be afraid to push sometimes and not be afraid to um, arm yourself. I'm always a big advocate of that's even the basis of a lot of times of what I'm sharing is not telling people like what to do. I'm, as I say, I'm not anti um, establishment or anti met doctors. I'm pro information. You know what I mean? And so like, that's what, if you go in and you, you Nancy know, you should know like uh, now at this point of, of, coming into a doctor's appointment and being educated on what it is that you've dealt with compared to like not sharing at all any of the information that you personally researched, it changes the dynamic with the doctors at all, completely. The way that they treat you, the way that they see you, um, it, it just helps with the interaction and your personal care, I feel, because it ha I've seen it personally change with me. Like if I go in and I said, this is what I've researched. This is what I, I've, I've come to find out. I just want to know, uh, like, what can you add to this? Or can you correct this? Or, you know, like, uh, based on what it is that I've found out. And that's being an advocate for yourself and your kids. But a lot of people sometimes are, are scared. Because, again, Google can seem like the Wild Wild West. But mm -hmm. there is <laughs> but there is some information, especially if you, you the information that's shared has some... Um, has research behind it, you know? And, and so that's, that's a whole other uh, topic in and of itself. Oh, that's a definitely topic. Well, that's <laughs> like, the reason why we left the practice we were at, I would come in there and I'd be like, you know, we've only seen this doctor twice since my son was diagnosed. Now you're supposed to go every three months. You don't mm -hmm. see the doctor all the time, but you see the nurses and you know, you see the diabetic educator and believe me, these people know their stuff. But mm -hmm. the fact that like there's new technologies all the time, there's new studies, there's new information. This doctor didn't know what I was talking about when I finally did see him. I'm like, so what do you think about this? And he's like, huh? I'm right. like, why do I know something? Why do I know more? Yeah, without a <laughs> medical degree. Mm -hmm. and so I went to the new doctor and she knew her stuff. She knew the technologies. She was able to get the information on her computer for my son that we had. And she was, was able to read the data. And right that impressed the heck out of me because this yeah. woman, she knew what she was talking about. She knew what I wanted. And now I'm lucky we can afford this technology. And that's another thing. Right. It's definitely not equal economically. And that, that breaks my that's heart. That's an issue. It's a, a huge issue. But even through you sharing, like if anyone that's listening, uh, please make sure to, sh to, to follow Nancy on, Instagram as well because she does share. I I learned about like the the technology that you've been using because you you'll share the um the readings that you have for your son um in your stories or even you know just in general and that's how I was like wow I didn't even know that this technology exists to be able 
able to monitor it in the way that you are able to. And so that's, that's great. Again, going back to the importance of sharing your stories um, just to help other people out with the, with the intention of that. Yeah. Um, it, I've learned about that. I was like, wow, I didn't even know that. <laughs> and I'm happy to talk to any parent that needs to talk about this because I've had parents reach out and be like, hey, you know, I saw this. What do I do next? I'm like, well, you know, ask for this and ask for that. And as I said, we paid out of pocket through the nose for that first couple years. And it was worth it because I, I had this thing that if he was okay by 1.30, I could go to sleep. He would be okay at night, the whole night. So he used to go very low in, in the night. Now, a lot of it was from treating himself too much. And the thing is, and this, this new doctor helped me see a correlation. If he goes very low, then he goes very high. Like it's a whole, she's helping me see things that I didn't see before. And this is not something that's written about, but you know, like we can see yo-yo's effect. And that's why, and I talked about this before, things broke during the pandemic that I was taking on too much and I was taking on like my son would always go very high in the mornings because mm -hmm. there's this thing called the dawn phenomenon that, you know, the blood sugar rises when the sun does. And hmm. it's, we have different ratios on his insulin pump to deal with it, but it's just not, you have to keep tweaking and keep tweaking because he's also 14 turning 15 in like two months and there's blood sugar spurts. That's sorry. Right. That growth spurts, hormones yes. spurts mm -hmm. that have made things go out of whack. And it's called, um, also when the pancreas, pancreas stops working completely and doesn't sputter out anymore, that's called the honeymoon. So you, you know, you, your kids diagnosed with type one diabetes and they start insulin. And then a few months later, they need a lot more insulin. That's called, that's when the honeymoon's over, but that happened with also growth spurts for my son. Cause he was 12 and things just, like, just went crazy. So wow. that didn't help. Like you know, we feed him lower carb foods as when we can, but sometimes he wants to be a kid. He wants that pizza. I let him right. have that pizza. Right. And then the, the, the honeymoon stopped. He needed more insulin. The growth spurts happened. He needed more insulin, but it's, right. you're trying to, and then sometimes like insulin goes bad. Sometimes mm -hmm. technology goes bad. So right. you're kind of, you're rowing a boat in a flaming pit of lava and <laughs> getting thrown at you. That's basically what we've gone through. And even with that, with, you know, him listening to me, well, during this whole pandemic, he stopped listening to me completely. And I started taking care of things hundred percent. So anytime he was eating, I was putting in his insulin numbers. And my husband has a lot more hands-off effect, mm -hmm. hands-off attitude. And mm -hmm. I've been killing myself and killing myself. And finally he was like, just stop, stop doing everything. And I said, but he's not going to do anything. He's like, let mm -hmm. him surprise you. And you know what? he took more on. I stopped doing things as much. And now I'm not saying like, we had a very bad time this week and it wasn't his fault. I got involved. I still watch his insulin numbers, his blood sugar numbers more than I probably should because it's on my phone and it's on my oh, wall. And I, I, I'll totally admit I get obsessed, mm -hmm. but I've kind of stepped back and I've had to let him take more control. And you know what he's doing it? He is taking care of himself a lot better than he had. Um, we had, he had spent so much time in the nurse's office in sixth grade and seventh grade that we kind of thought it was a crutch and we kind of now had it. So when he goes back to school and even last year, 
he had a power with him because he would mm-hmm. go low and it was an ever it was an issue but like he's able i think now he's able to take more of him care of himself so you have to write into the he has an iep individualized education plan for learning issues he has adhd so i mm-hmm. have it written in there that he's allowed to treat in class that i don't want him going to the nurse because he was wasting so much time away from academics the but class mm-hmm. yeah but the, the point is with this is there comes a point where you kind of have to say to your child who's having a medical issue you know i need you to take the helm and you can't do that with a young child but you right. can do that with a teenager he's a teenager mm-hmm. i want him to go away to college and you know he's going into ninth grade he's got four years before april if you had said oh is he going to go away to college i would have said no way um, but I now think that he might be able to handle it and mm-hmm. he might be able to take care of himself. So that's another thing. Like, yes, I know that we all have a lot of anxiety about this. And if you have a child with a medical issue, you've got a lot of anxiety anyway, but there's gotta be some point where they have to take over this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even want to get into the fact that I'm worried about how he's going to afford insulin when he's off our insurance. Um, I don't want to get into that now because I will just cry, but we will not let him not be covered. Exactly. And with this, I am here for him, but if he doesn't take care of this at 14 and a half, almost 15, he will never take care of it. And he's taking care of it. So yes, I stress about it, but I kind of have stopped sharing it with him so much. And if Mm -hmm. I see something, like if he's really high, I'll be like, hey bud, you know, you're 400 and you need to deal with this because Mm -hmm. he shouldn't, it's not good for him medically to be over a certain number or to be lower. Right. He really should be in a range. And I know I keep talking more about this, but he's got a kind of, and he's taking over it a lot. And that's the best thing I can do as a parent is give him the tools, how to handle it himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, as it said, he's a teenager. Now he goes out and he rides his bike by himself. He goes mm-hmm. out to the store by himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he always has diabetes supplies on him. And there has been some times that I've had to go out and find him and help him because he's not helping himself. But for the most part, he's taking a lot on. And as a parent with an older child, that makes me happy that he can handle things. And it makes me believe that, you know, things are going to be okay and that he's going to be okay. So when you have a baby with type one diabetes and believe me, there's some six months old that I've heard have had it like in the Facebook groups. And that to me is really scary. Um, but my kid is older now and it's, mm-hmm. it looks different than it did two years ago, three years ago with him. Right. And I'm actually happy to see him taking charge of things, but it took me kind of quitting to get him to do that. Mm-hmm. So I, and I I applaud you because I mean the it's hard the 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 level of even for me I mean the self awareness I love self aware parents like I do self aware parents yeah we have to realize like when we gotta step in or or that we gotta step out you know like it's but it's a lot it's 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 hard and it's but at least we at least the the thing that makes me feel better i guess when i do realize that like hey i need to sit down or or let somebody let him do it is um my son specifically um because is that at least we have this little safe space that he can do it here you know where like okay we can do this practice test run of him taking care of himself in this 
this environment and not yet completely out in the world by myself. And that's the only thing that'll give me some sort of peace. <laughs> and I'll be like, okay, fine, you can do whatever. <laughs> yeah, like even something simple like making breakfast or lunch. I love to do things for my kids, but the best thing I can do sometimes is step back and let my nine-year-old make a mess, but he's happy and he's making his own lunch and he's thrilled right. with himself. And make my daughter, like she's 12 and a half and going through the hormones are starting. Oh but boy. It's okay. I mean, she's questions and I'm answering her questions and we're dealing with things. But when I leave her alone and when I, you know, I encourage her to be a bigger kid, she does better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, she, commuting on the subway, I grew up in Long Island. We didn't have a subway over there. I, I walked to school. I never would have taken public transportation by myself, but we had to let her go home with a friend just mm-hmm. because, you know, working all the time and then, you know, taking in two hours to take her to, cause I would take her to school and back. My husband and I would alternate. It's, you know, and I don't know what's going to happen anywhere with schools open. I don't know. Right. Um, we would be okay with the part-time going in just because I think my kids, if, as long as it's safe, I think they need that freedom to have a regular life. Um, you know, they're good about masks. And I thought my son on the autistic spectrum would be bad. He wears his mask. And, you know, like if it's going to keep someone safe, we're going to wear masks. You know, we we are people that we will do it. And I just, I just worry about her being able to like open a heavy bus door to get out the back, but Mm -hmm. maybe I have to let her figure it out. Yeah. Like I don't want her on the subway. She takes two subways to get to school, but the bus would take an hour and I would be okay with that. I I like the New York city bus system and Mm -hmm. it's very safe. So I kind of have to step back. I mean, I can't drive her because it's the exit before Manhattan and there would just be so much traffic. And I I also, I get very nervous driving in traffic, but like things look different and that's okay. Like with my son, he can bike to school. It's, it's close enough. He does that distance to high school. My little guy will be going on a bus and he's in a class with six other kids. So it might, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like in the fall. Yeah. It's, it's the, the, the things they're, they're the things they've been proposing in New Jersey. We're like, really? Like, <laughs> really? Oh Let's my see. God. I, I feel bad for everybody. And I feel bad we're in the middle of the pandemic. And, but I, the best I can do is to just parent my kids and give them some room to breathe at home. That's the best. Yeah. Thing. That's all you can do. I mean, we're all as, or as our parent, at least my mother, there's no manual for parenthood. That's not how my mother sounds. And she'd probably be mad <laughs> if I said it like that. But there's, you know, there's no manual for this. And so we all just figuring it out as we go along too. And so that's, 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 that's all we can do. <laughs> yeah. We're going to make a lot of mistakes. And I mean, I've made a lot of mistakes with my kids and I, I don't believe in being perfect, as you said before, because I'm not. And, you know, do I think there's anything I could have done to stop my son from having type one diabetes? No. Could I have figured it out? Um, I don't know. I mean, as I said, I only knew one person with it and that was years ago. I mean, I would have had no clue, but the thing is now that I'm hoping that people know the symptoms from what I've been putting out. And if your kid is having symptoms for something, you know, and you think something is not correct, you need to speak up. You right. Know, you call your doctor. Now that the great thing with telemedicine is, and it's become a thing, you don't have to leave your house sometimes. 
right. we're doing endocrinology visits in telehealth because I'm not stepping into Manhattan unless I need to. Right. Um, but that's the thing, like speak up, you know, there's no, there's no manual, but go in with questions and write down questions you have and you're not bothering your doctor at all. You know, if you can email your doctor, email them. I mean, I have to say there are some wonderful, wonderful physicians that I've come across and we're lucky that we've, you know, and the thing is, if you're not having a good experience, you can change doctors. You know, that's, I'm lucky that we had that choice to do it. I'm lucky we had insurance and believe me, I, I researched doctors and I wanted someone who would really know what they were doing. And I feel like we found a home with his new endocrinology practice. Right. So that's the thing, like what is comfortable to you? And I do believe in more holistic medicine. I do believe in that. And I'm, you know, I, I just want to really like, I don't believe, oh, just have an antibiotic. I don't believe in that. But no. sometimes you need something. Sometimes. You yes, absolutely. Like it's, it, that's, that's like, even with me, like people think like there's certain, there's certain topics that I don't speak about, like at all. Like I choose to not speak about it. I don't, I choose to not speak, purposely not speak about vaccines. Because that's a whole, I don't, oh, <laughs> I don't yeah, speak about politics. Whole. I don't speak about politics and I don't speak about religion. Yeah, on, on I, those are the things I don't speak about. And there's one other one, but I can't remember what it is. But, um, <laughs> but specifically, people will think um, because I advocate for a holistic, like at least holistic consideration of things um that that means that i don't i'm like no i think that those things uh, that medicines are reserved and great for the things when they're needed you know what i mean like it doesn't mean like i never will take it at all but i feel like sometimes in just in society it's too often gone to as a default when sometimes there's like in, in other way minor situations yeah. you know what i mean minor situations I as opposed to, to other things but in in I absolutely for major things and things this I'm not going to refuse certain things when I know that um, I, because I have the information to know that choosing medication in particular circumstances is the best course, you know what I mean? Like in, in certain things. So it's like just based on me doing having doing my due diligence and researching, you know, because again, I'm pro-information. I think that everybody should have all the information that they they should um that they should that they should be allowed to and even what's out there in order for them to make a proper decision both for your family and for yourself and that's why even on you know when i do uh quote things sometimes i and and say certain medical kind of terms and things i always try to link to an actual like study which then is not like i can't be anti-medicine if i'm always going back to the science you know what i mean That's the science has to make sense i mean it right things that antibiotics have definitely helped with absolutely for us personally but there's other times when i'm like you know what they're like well why don't you let it run a course for a day or so and then things look mm -hmm. very different i mean yes i had a working mom growing up and you know, she was busy, but she found the time. I mean, we needed to go to a doctor. We went to doctors and she did every, all the heavy lifting and everything like that. And I'm glad she always asked questions. And it was annoying sometimes because my mother would be like, I want to know why she needs this. Right. And, you know, like, yeah, I'm definitely that mom. <laughs> but it taught me to advocate. And, you know, like, I think new mothers sometimes forget that they have a right to ask questions. They have a right to say, I'm not being treated well. Um, you need to treat me better. I mean, I know when I had my first child, 
my labor and my the nurse one of the nurses was really like kind of not so great to me and i didn't speak up and like i'm still like angry about it and that's Mm -hmm. i know that a lot of mothers don't speak up and i know that there's a lot of mothers that don't get the same care and it's not fair um i do know that that's something that needs to change and there's a lot of things that need to change as a society right now that are just not changing fast enough. And, you know, like that's the thing we need to advocate for our children. We need to advocate for ourselves. Yes. And that the first thing is always speaking up like that. Even you're absolutely right. When going back to um, giving birth, giving birth to my, my son 10, 10 years ago, almost 11 now, it was completely different than with my daughter. And with my daughter, I'm like, nope, I'm not going to do this. Nope, I don't need to do this. Nope, I'll wait for this. You know, like, I'll, I'll, <laughs> you know, like, I know I got, you know, I don't need to do this. And no, you can calm down, nurse, such and such, you know. <laughs> I think that needs to be aware to mothers that they have rights. And especially mm-hmm. black mothers are not treated right sometimes. And that's, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I'm Ravel from, um, Mommy Brain really has some great stuff that she's sharing about advocacy, and I respect the heck out of her. Um, I, I think, you know, we have to just keep speaking and keep telling them that, you know, you have a right to this, and please, like, don't accept treatment that's just not 100% okay. Yeah. Oh, well, Nancy, thank you so much for all of this. Like, I, oh, I, I, I really off. do. No, please. I could, please. <laughs> like, but I, I do. I, I love these conversations, even um, with other uh, bloggers, content creators. I rather the term content creators because we really do create content. Being called anything, uh, you know. Yeah, I know. We everybody have preferences, um, but I feel I I don't want anyone to really think that we're always like in competition with each other because oh. I feel like I know that there are some people that feel that way within the the whole blogging world, but for the most part, I've always just found like so much community within the blogging community, you know, like the, the women specifically who blog, they're always like, no, we want to just see each other win, you know, like, and we're just, we just want to help each other out. And this is why we're doing it. Um, so thank you so much for your time and sharing your story with us. My pleasure. As I've said, I've always found you who is just, I've always found you to be someone who has a lot of wonderful things to say. And I look forward to seeing what you're going to talk about next. And I can't wait for that grilled peach rest salad recipe. Yes, I know. I have to do it. Because my friend, literally, they're like, where's the recipe? <laughs> so but I love I'm that. Do- like, it's a healthy recipe. And it, I mean, I love fruit. And the thought mm-hmm. of grilling it, like, that's amazing. So I'm, yeah, I want that recipe. <laughs> I surely will. I, now, now I'm going to, like, I have, because again, I make, I've been making more lists to make sure that I've been doing all the things, especially with so much stuff going on. I know I have, I have like a bunch of like, well, as I said, I, I'll make something and I'll photos and videos and I'll write it down. And then it takes me like six months to publish. It. Me too. I thought it was just me. Oh no, no. But that's the thing like that, like to have ideas to me, when I stop having ideas, that's the day I quit blogging. Yes. You're absolutely right. You're you're right. You're right. Cause I have a book full of ideas, but then they, and then I'll, I'll mention it. And then like four months later, it'll come out and I'll be like, Hey, it was developing. Oh, you I'm know, like, <laughs> you that peach salad recipe. So. <laughs> well, thank you so much again. And I hope that you all enjoy your time upstate. I know that it's a lot of craziness going on in the world and we don't know when it's going to stop, but all we can do is be okay today.
right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I miss New York City, but not, we'll come back soon. We, we, yeah. We have to. But um, <laughs> it's been nice to get a break and let my kids just run outside without fear of like, because my in-laws have like a little land here so they can run around and not see anybody. And we need that right now. Yeah. So could you tell everybody where they can see you, visit you, follow you, everything? Yes. My blog is the mama maven, T H E M A M A M A V E N.com. Instagram is at the mama maven, M A M A M A V E N. Um, actually the mama maven, not mama maven. And TikTok, the mama maven, Twitter, the mama maven. And yes, I get very opinionated on Twitter and I'm not sorry about it. And Facebook <laughs> is the mama maven blog, which I'm a little quieter on, but uh, I believe in healthy recipes. I believe for advocating for children that have type one diabetes. I believe in, you know, if someone needs help, I'm going to help them. I just am trying to do my best. And sometimes I fail miserably. Sometimes I do. Okay. I don't see any failure. <laughs> I don't see any failure. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And everybody will go and check Nancy's content and work out. And thank you so much for sharing. Thank you, Tiffany. So what'd you think about the episode? Oh, I love Nancy. She's, she's, I swear the whole thing just felt like having coffee with a friend. You heard that? That was the that was the New York coming out there. <laughs> Again, you could connect with Nancy at the Mama Maven on Instagram and on her blog, themamamaven.com. If you did enjoy the episode, please take a moment to rate it on whatever podcast platform that you're listening to it on and share with a friend who you think will learn something from it. If you'd like to follow me, on my personal, not personal, but on my lifestyle wellness brand account, you can find me at itsmeladyg.com on my, that's the blog, or at itsmeladyg on Instagram. I so look forward to the next episode and connecting with you all. And I thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Bye.